Our people are scattered. Like stars in the galaxy. What are we? What do we stand for? Being a Mandalorian is not just learning about how to fight. You also have to know how to navigate the galaxy. That way, you'll never be lost. Forgiven for my transgressions. May the force be with you! This is the way. There's something dangerous happening out there. And by the time it becomes big enough for you to act, it'll be too late. Hang on, kid. And welcome to Sky Talkers. I'm your host, Charlotte. Hey, everyone. I'm your other host, Caitlin. And welcome to our first official Mandalorian season three coverage, where we are talking, reacting, discussing the trailer that just dropped last night. Yes, I am so excited about this. I feel like it's been a while since we've talked about a new trailer on the podcast. Like we talked about things that happen at Celebration, but ever since then, we just haven't gotten a ch- gotten the chance. And this one felt like one of those. I don't know. It was a, attached to a football, football game. game. It felt like the old days. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. So it was really exciting. And I felt like I was on my phone for like three hours after it dropped, just like soaking in the opinions and people's screenshots and things like that. So yeah. I'm really excited to talk about it and just kind of like go back to our roots of speculation. Let's do this. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> What'd you think of it? I thought it was really good. It was really fun. I think something we talked about after the, I guess, teaser trailer we saw at Celebration was that this season, I don't even know if we talked about it because I can't remember if we wanted to like give any spoilers or anything, but like that it looked like more colorful in a lot of ways. And I think we see that in this trailer and that we're going to new places, returning to some old pit stops, you know, that feels very Mandalorian. We've got Navarro, it looks like, back. But Coruscant, I... I think everyone was talking about Coruscant last night and seeing it in The Mandalorian is going to be so great. I'm so excited. I am too. I think seeing it in Andor was really special, but I think seeing it post Return of the Jedi is also going to mm. be really great. And I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of stuff to dis- to discuss about Mandalorian season three. Like, I don't know. Let's get started. Well, let's let's talk about where as we before we dive into speculation, let's talk about where we left Din and Grogu at the end of season two of The Mandalorian and, you know, also the Book of Boba Fett. But, you know, the end of The Mandalorian season two is when Din and Grogu are separated. Right. And of course, we know that that story is is they're, they're reunited in the Book of Boba Fett. Um, but what else was going on at the end of season two of The Mandalorian? I was rewatching, I didn't rewatch the whole episode, but I was rewatching parts of it last night. And, you know, there's the whole issue of the Darksaber, which is something they kind of touched on in the Book of Boba Fett. They did touch on it. But, you know, I think the tension was so high <laughs> in the season two finale of The Mandalorian between Gideon, Bo-Katan, and Din with the Darksaber. And I think I had forgotten how intense it was. Well, and- let's let's be real. The tension was between Gideon and Bo-Katan and somehow Din... Yes just like in there in, the in between <laughs> that's what that's the Gideon plan it's like watching it last night because yeah. that's the part I watched is when Gideon and uh Din fight and then Gideon is brought before Bo-Katan and he's like giddy that 
Din has the dark saber now. Like this was, I think this was all part of his plan, his grand plan when it came to the dark saber, because he knew Bo-Katan was going to be on the ship. Anyway, I, I kind of had forgotten how intense the intense the tension was between Bo-Katan and Gideon, and you know, Din of course in the mix there with the dark saber and what that meant, um, because the whole episode. Bo-Katan is like, the Darksaber, the Darksaber. I need the Darksaber, right? And then she doesn't get it. You know, we know how she has to get it back. How is that going to be solved? There's also like tension between Bo-Katan and uh, Boba Fett, which I had kind of forgotten about too, um, about him being a clone, not really being a Mandalorian. There were some some barbs, a fight. There was a full-on fight between um, Casca, I think that was her name, and uh, Boba Fett. It was It was good. Anyway, I, I think it's important to kind of remember those things from the end of season two, because I think, of course, we all remember, uh, you know, Din and Grogu and their their heartfelt goodbye and, of course, their reunion in the Book of Boba Fett. But I think kind of those other pieces with our other Mandalorians are, you know, something we need to keep at front of mind as we move into season three as well. Yeah, I totally agree. And also, we can't forget that in the Book of Boba Fett, the armorer basically kicked Din out mm-hmm. of being a Mandalorian and now he has to deal with that personality identity crisis and my hope for this season and I'm jumping ahead here is that that is really explored because I think the show is called The Mandalorian but what does that even mean right like I think that there's a lot to be explored here about the culture about where Din finds what he defies himself as um does he have an awakening that the whole this is the way the don't take off the helmet the things that Bo-Katan have has actually called him out for um about the, basically the conservatism of keeping on that helmet how does he wrestle with that I really want to see that and how does Grogu continue to like, kind of get him out of his shell there uh, and it feels like we're literally and that. figuratively. I know <laughs> that's that's the thing always with masks in Star Wars, right? Like that yeah. is the thematic thing that we're dealing with when you put a character behind a mask. And the Mandalorian is perhaps the best example of that. At the end of the Book of Boba Fett, they're reunited, and that finale of the Book of Boba Fett is so good. And I'm very happy to see them together. And it feels like in this trailer, let's just jump ahead to the trailer now. Um, This trailer showed a lot of breadth of where we're going to be traveling (laughs) in this series. And it was a reminder to me about how The Mandalorian really is like, shows you a different planet every week. (laughs) Yeah, I I kind of completely forgot about that. I need to do my rewatch. That's going to come up a lot is I am going to rewatch season one, two, and the Book of Boba Fett before season three airs. And I'm really excited about that. But it felt like, number one, I felt this way when we watched the trailer at Celebration, but I feel like the show looks really good. Um, Something about it looks different. I think it looks more expensive than it did before. And I don't know if that's a budget increase or the technology is just better. Things look really good. And I'm very excited about it. It looks fresh. It looks very fresh. Yeah. And I couldn't help but compare a little bit to what we saw at Celebration. And I know that's not public, which is weird, but there's some bootleg stuff going around that Disney didn't really squash that much. Um, But in at Celebration, (laughs) Bo-Katan was very much (laughs) angled as the villain in season three and was a huge part of that trailer that they showed there. And she is barely in this trailer that we got yeah, I was last gonna night. say where I'm like trying to remember which like cuts you can even see Bo-Katan in in this trailer in this one, it's it's literally just the yeah it's it's nothing it's the apparently the ship that is flying in between those cliffs that's apparently her ship but I didn't know that no we would not know that so, <laughs> so someone had to point that out to me and I, I I'm taking that as their word and I don't even know if that's true so I think that's kind of odd I think this odd is one way to put it another way to put it is that this trailer really focused on the Mandalorian his identity what it means to be a Mandalorian and focusing on like that sort of symbology of Mandalorian masks and Grogu and him are back and we're on an adventure you know versus the the here are the villains um 
you know, I say that, but it did introduce Dr. Pershing as part Dr. of this. Pershing again. Again. Uh, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I think he's more of a villain than a hero, if you want to. I mean, he's definitely meaning villain, right? Villain yeah. meaning maybe wants to be a hero. Unclear. Right. I mean, I think it's complicated, but yeah. if anything, I want to be clear about this. Like in the past on our show, we've talked about how Din's character arc. He's grown a lot since episode one. It is very clear and also not unexpected, I would say. Like he has definitely gotten out of his shell and has taken off the mask and revealed himself as like a father figure for Grogu. But I feel like this season is going to continue us as an audience taking Grogu's character pretty seriously as someone who deserves a character arc and has you know, serious threats against him and then also like resolving his own trauma from Order 66 and wherever he was in between that time period to when Din found him. And I've I've said this for a while that it's like very important, I think, for us as an audience to track that because I think sometimes we get lost in the Grogu capitalism of seeing the Baby Yoda plush everywhere, which I definitely indulge in. <laughs> Can't get enough. But, you know, this is a character who is probably going to be explored maybe not in the same way as Din, but I think that um, Grogu's trauma is central to season three, it feels like, because I think that was brought up in this trailer. Yeah, it definitely feels like the, you know, the shot we got of what feels like it could be Order 66 with the Jedi and the lightsabers and then also uh, Grogu at the very end of the trailer where he's showing a formidable sense of power. a formidable sense of is power. Is it power or is it dark side? I've been thinking about this all day. Oh, oh, I don't know. I would say power. That definitely looks like think, yeah. a threat. Yeah. Um, I was gonna say a more controlled power because we we know that we've we've known that Grogu has, you know, these capabilities. He's shown them in different instances, right? But it feels like that moment at the end is more controlled, more focused. Uh it's it, There's just something about it that feels different. It feels older. And I think a lot of people, I saw people talking about this online about how he still looks, you know, like the baby, you know, kind of like those baby sounds and stuff like that. And I mean, I I don't know. I'm kind of like, what do we expect? Because we know that Yoda, that species is slow growing. So I don't expect to see massive changes in how Grogu looks necessarily year to year when, you know, he's, you know, 53 years old now and still looks like a baby. Like, I think it's it's going to take him a while to, you know, physically look pretty different, I think. So for We're me- We're used to the baby grudification. Yeah, of- exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so to me, that's that doesn't really bother me. But I think seeing, yeah, that that change of power and like you were talking about that kind of character growth I do think we'll see that this season and I think to kind of touch on Din and you know the culture of Mandalore I think that's something a lot of people have been wanting out of this show that we've just kind of gotten you know bits and pieces kind of that we're piecing together throughout these past couple of seasons between the Mandalorian and the book of Boba Fett and it really feels like this season we're you know we're going back to Mandalore right and we've got Bo-Katan we've got Din potentially Boba Fett uh we didn't see him in the trailer this is an aside, but I think it's interesting to think who we didn't see in the trailer, like Gideon, right? And uh, Boba Fett didn't see them in the trailer. But so just going to add that in there. <laughs> but I think, you know, going back to Mandalore and this whole line from Din of, you know, that I may be forgiven my transgressions. I think this is all leading into this larger story arc of Din and his character development overall. You and I from the very beginning have been talking about where does this story leave Din and Grogu. You know, when we put the Mandalorian on the shelf, <laughs> where will we leave him? What is his understanding of Mandalore, of culture, of being, uh, you know, in a f- family unit? Is it always about the helmet? And we've seen them kind of questioning this throughout the past two seasons. You know, I think probably my favorite episode of The Mandalorian, The Believer, where, uh, what's his face? Can't think of his name right now. Um, I also will be doing a Mandalorian rewatch <laughs> before Bill Burr. Yes, thank you. What's his character name, though? Uh, yeah. You guys know who we're talking <laughs> about. But that episode, The Believer, is so great because Bill Burr's character, like, 
really calls out the hypocrisy of a lot of the Mandalorian's rules, you know, until, of course, the very end when Din does take off the helmet when it means the most. And I think, sorry, I'm like getting ahead of myself in my in my speculation and in go, my go for it. <laughs> but a, a critique I had, especially in season one, was that I felt like Din's character development to me, it felt really stagnant, really slow. And you can go back and listen to those episodes if you want, um, where I talked, I feel like I talked about that a lot. Um, But I think we had to go through these kind of two and a quarter seasons, you know, talking about those episodes in Book of Boba Fett of Din season one being introduced to this lifestyle of being a father. And then season two was all about him realizing that was his priority. We end season two with Din saying, you can do whatever you want. I don't care. You can take the Darksaber. You can take Bo-Katan to Gideon. He's like, I don't care what you do. The kid is my priority. So now we've got Din at this moment where the kid is his priority, but it took him two seasons to to get there. And so now, now we can really start to address, okay, what does it mean to be a father to Grogu? And how does it relate to my own lifestyle as the Mandalorian and what I know to be true, quote unquote, about Mandalore um, now that I have all these other different perspectives? I feel like I'm kind of not connecting the dots the way they're connected in my head. But it's like now when we look back at the show as a whole, when we put it on the shelf, I think kind of these seasons with Din's character development will make a lot more sense. And I can kind of see that bigger picture forming now as we're leading into season three and what I assume will be a season a lot about Mandalore and the culture of Mandalore and really starting to for Din to question and to maybe reject um, some of the things that he's grown up to believe about Mandalore or really begin to question it for himself. Like with that line, right, of be forgiven for my transgressions. I think you and I are like, what transgressions? What transgressions? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just like, okay, is Din going to get to that point or is he going to continue down this path of like really... I guess I would call them like the fundamentalist Mandalorian for lack of a better word. Is he going to continue further down that path or is he going to see that? Oh, maybe that's, that's not actually what it is to be Mandalore. It doesn't have to be my Mandalore, Um, especially now because technically he has the dark saber and he rules Mandalore can make the Mandalore doesn't exist. Like it's Um, Ash. We see this in the, in the trailer. It's, it's an interesting thing to think about it when you think about how obsessed John Favreau is with the hero's journey and what where does this all fit in and what sort of story we're going to see that is some sort of adaptation of the hero's journey, right? We talk about this all the time, I feel like, and there's a sense of atonement that comes within the hero's journey and him just saying being forgiven of my transgressions, I feel like That's him trying to do that step, but perhaps he won't get there, but instead will return with a different type of elixir, which is the end of the hero's journey where it all repeats again. So I wonder if he's going to find some sort of enlightenment within the ash and turn a new leaf, I guess. I'm I'm not sure. This is a lot of word salad, but <laughs> I I feel like he needs to realize that he actually doesn't have any transgressions when it comes to taking off his helmet. He can forge his own path, his... He was rescued by Death Watch. Okay. <laughs> that yeah. also needs confront con- confrontation, right? Like, I feel like uh as Clone Wars watchers, we know that that is a terrorist terrorist group. Um, and I don't think that's what Din aligns himself with. Din is a in a lot of ways like the best Mandalorian in the galaxy, but in the best bounty hunter, I guess, in the galaxy. But also is a huge softy. So how do you reconcile those two things? And he's also now a father. A huge softy. Yeah. And we know Grogu chose to wear the armor instead of stay with Luke. So how does the clan of two go about the world? And well, uh, something that I've been thinking about as we've been talking or as I was putting out my own word salad was this conversation of villains and you know the armorer could really be a villain in this yeah a version yeah you know what I mean especially like you think about if the armorer had the dark saber and what she would do with it as far as like these other Mandalorians coming back and I don't know it's interesting to think about as we kind of move forward it the trailer you know even though it's mostly kind of 
Din and the Mandalorians. You know, we do have those flashes of Grogu, right, with like Order 66 and then, of course, the ending that are kind of hinting at and, and Dr. Pershing as well, kind of hinting at, at his storyline. So I kind of I'm interested to see how that balance is between the two storylines uh, because they feel they feel disconnected, but I'm sure they're going to come together like it's all leading to that. To, to something bigger, right? Uh, yeah. We've talked for ages, years now about, you know, the cloning, the blood, yes. <laughs> Rogu's blood. <laughs> and Midi-chlorians. What we're going, I mean, even with Bad Batch, right? And this is a huge speculation I had in Bad Batch season one about we're Omega. We're also overlapping with the show. Yeah, being Force-sensitive and being a Force-sensitive clone that you can control and how that would be like Palpatine's ultimate like pie in the sky dream. <laughs> um, and, you know, of course, we've got something there with Ray, right? Uh, so I I don't know, like we're, we're getting there and how much is Grogu a part of that yet to be determined. But I think it's all part of that bigger story that we're, we've been connecting throughout these different uh, stories in Star Wars over the past couple of years. Yeah, I mean, I think when I'm forgetting the character's name right now, and I did not write it down, but the X-Wing pilot with the, I guess, Rancor patch, uh, I think the people on the internet have determined that that is a Rancor, Mm -hmm. which is very cool. Need to know more about that. But he says there's something dangerous happening out there. By the time it becomes big enough for you to act, it'll be too late. My first thought for that was it's the first order. And there was a time when Lucasfilm announced that all of the Mandoverse shows were going to end up leading to perhaps a movie or, you know, a final. Mm. Yeah. Everyone comes together in one crossover event. Yeah. Like it's giving Avengers, but I think it's, it's worth it to consider that Maybe that's still happening. Maybe it's not. I don't know. The Mandoverse is definitely has changed iterations since that announcement, but it's still happening. In fact, we have one more than what was announced in that original announcement, Book of Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's worth it to wonder. There's two ways, right? It's, that could be referring to the sequel trilogy, or it could be referring to the actual literal rise of the First Order that... yeah has already been into play when we get to the sequel trilogy, which I think would be really cool to see. And um, I wonder how that all fits in with the Mandalorians and Grogu and the New Republic. I just don't really know. And I know that these stories have been told in books and comics before too, but I think there's another way to do it as well that's compelling. But when you talk about the cloning and everything like that, like all of that has been on the table for a long time. And mm-hmm. yes, the show is overlapping with The Bad Batch. I just think we're dealing with a lot of the same themes here or will be when it comes to Grogu. And so many questions about what is uh, what is it about him that was so special? Uh, we need we need those questions to be answered because I really think it's a huge driving point onto why Grogu still needs protection and to be secret I guess um yeah because I think that 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 becomes Din's burden right Mm -hmm. now that he has Grogu to take care of yeah what was it I think it was it was in season two or something about Grogu being in hiding I think it was when throughout his conversations with Ahsoka at some point where he talks about or Soka says he should go into hiding or something like that or, or let his powers fade. I, yeah. I can't really remember the conversation. It might not have even yeah, been. Yeah, yeah. She part. says let let his powers fade. It'll it be was better her. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And and didn't say something along the lines of like, it doesn't matter. They're still hunting him. Like that doesn't even matter. He can't disappear. They're still gonna search for him. So I think he knows that, you know, you're right. It is his burden and it's something that he obviously uh is yeah has taken on for himself uh yeah to to kind of round it out i just wanted to point out the what gideon says at the end of season two he says grogu's blood has rare properties that have the potential to bring order back to the galaxy so ominous Mm. (laughs) yes and i think we saw that explored with those mech droids that were at the end of season two too yeah that you know gideon was creating something that yeah. oh, they weren't even droids they were well they were yeah thank you this i actually they, wanted to bring this up when we talked about din um 
because they were once human. It was like a grievous thing. And they say, I think it was Gideon who said, or or no, it was Dr. Pershing who said, he said the human was the last weakness to conquer when it came to those droids and uh-huh. mech droid like what do you even call them right i know they uh-huh. have a name i just can't remember it um but the, that phrasing of the human inside was the last weakness to conquer i think you know uh, the comparison to din inside his own armor uh like being inside the armor it, it's a concealment right you know in our conversation of his yeah. characterization and you know, he can't stay locked away behind that Beskar armor forever uh, or else mm-hmm. does he lose his humanity and is Grogu the one bringing out his humanity? Yes. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Sorry. Oh, I know that was an aside back to our Din conversation, but I didn't mean to derail from what you were going to say about those guys. It's all important. I feel like it's been a while since we've talked at length about like what the purpose of a show like The Mandalorian is. Um, even when The Mandalorian story was intertwined in the Book of Boba Fett, it was we didn't get to talk about it as at length as we get to right now. And it's been a while. It feels good to like be reunited with a lot of these concepts that we used to speculate about a lot and still don't really have a ton of answers, but like are so many that have so many interesting threads. And I know that that's why some people get frustrated with the Mandalorian specifically season two of the Mandalorian, because it felt like you said a little meandering or slow in terms of his character journey. But I do have faith and maybe it's misplaced, but I, I don't think it is uh, that a lot of these threads will be resolved in the various shows, but mainly in the Mandalorian. And it feels like this season is going to be the season in which a lot of that is brought to the surface. And I'm really excited about it. Yeah. It really makes me wonder, you know, of course, like the, you know, the two Mandalorian episodes in the book of Boba Fett has still for as good as, as much as you and I both like those episodes, they still really felt kind of like a question mark. And I think as we see these this season play out, I think, you know, we can kind of see the bigger picture of wanting to have Din and Grogu already reunited by the time we start The Mandalorian. It's still, yeah, like the the entire Mandoverse, like I'm I'm interested to see, right, when we do put it all on the shelf, how these pieces are all kind of fitting together to justify is the wrong word, but perhaps better connect why we would put those episodes in something like the book of Boba Fett and are we now going to see Boba Fett back in the Mandalorian? You and I certainly thought so by the time we got to the end of the book of Boba Fett, uh, Fennec as well. I need to see more of both of them. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm really interested to see how kind of these pieces continue to be put together when we're looking at the, the Mandoverse as a whole. And is it all hinging on Din and Grogu, ultimately, right, when we look at this larger concept of the Mandoverse. I mean, we call it the Mandoverse for one thing. Um, Or, you know, I don't know. I don't really know where I was going with that. But No, I think it is. Yeah. I think it is. Yeah. I think you have characters that are all sort of have made contact with Din, right, that are now part. I I think, it. yes, it all comes back to them. Yeah. So then um, what is the ultimate why back to them specifically? Is there a greater story reason that we're getting to? Is it have to do with why Grogu is the, you know, the special? Uh, mm-hmm. Or is it just because they were first in the, the yeah. live action <laughs> lineup? And I think it's both. It's, you know, it's honestly. just kind of how the chips fell uh, and yeah. they didn't want to make season three, 10 episodes. So they, you know, put Grogu's reunification and his whole little Jedi training school in the book of Boba Fett. You know, these are these are good questions and I hope we get answers to them at some point uh, because, you know, it's it's good to hear these reasonings from from the creative team, if not so we can talk about them intellectually to a certain level, because I know some people don't like those choices and it would be great to have at least a reasoning of here's why. And okay, I don't like it, but at least you told me. <laughs> yeah. Well, so hindsight, I think that that has been talked yeah. about in some behind the scenes specials, but less thematically than I think that you and I would like. Yeah. And of course I can't do that until, you yes. know, these other pieces are told. So, you know, I think if Star Wars has taught us anything, it's we can wait until the bigger picture is complete. And, you know, we only had what, I guess a total of 40 
45 years <laughs> with you know the Skywalker <laughs> saga so this like blip of time with the Mandalorian you know relatively speaking is is fine but I'm just I'm looking forward to seeing how things are connected and and I really do hope we see Boba Fett and Fennec in the Mandalorian at some point this season yeah absolutely also let's get in I mean we're speculating this is what we do okay but let me talk about the main takeaway that I had from the trailer and that was there's a bar filled with droids okay the droid bar. bar I can't I am yeah I feel like it's so <laughs> funny and cool and the moment I saw that I was like yes <laughs> I okay here's the thing that I love about the Mandalorian it's so wild and weird and they just cram as many weird little aliens and weird little guys as they possibly can <laughs> in these shows. <laughs> and it's always like a fun little scavenger hunt to find the weird little guys. And the droid bar just seems really like a fun concept and an evolution, I guess, of droids having their own rights, I guess. And I am excited to see it. <laughs> I loved it so much. And there's battle droids in there. Oh there God, seems so to be a triple zero in there. I don't know if it's triple zero, but that would be so cool. And I don't know. I I feel like it's so great. I also feel like there were some new looking droids. There was a dr the droid that was uh, driving Pershing Speeder on Coruscant looked little updated a little new and yeah, I, was like, I don't I know I've seen a droid like that somewhere else but I couldn't maybe an animation either. yeah that's where I thought uh yeah like a rebels type of droid but I couldn't tell you <laughs> I really love the turquoise R2 in that shot yes. of the droid bar he looks so shiny I all I could think about were shiny Pokemon and I was like I want <laughs> I want that R2. Holographic. <laughs> yeah, holographic shiny R2, like a Pokemon card. <laughs> yes. Also, I feel like you pointed this out to me that the IG-11 droid uh, statue was like tumbled over, I guess, on Navarro and underneath it were like melted stormtrooper helmets and like that's all that remains. And I know that we've seen that before. I'm sad that that cool statue is going to be knocked over. I <laughs> got to see what happens there because it's another thing that's so a cool like background thing of the Mandalorian so far is the growth that Navarro experiences. It mm -hmm. started as something that we talked about a lot on the show as like the gates of hell, the, the entire gate that is in the beginning of the town on, on Navarro, I think has some um, symbolic meaning. We've talked about this on season one of our discussions about how, you know, that planet was hellish. People were living underground um, in hiding. And then in season two, it gets basically a facelift and a total revitalization where there's a school and the old bar. I mean, it's so cool, school. right? And, <laughs> yeah, it was so cute with the with, yeah. with the cookies. The cookies, yeah. the snacks. <laughs> and it looks even better in the season just from yeah. the uh, from the trailer. I mean, it looks like it's been you know, having some urban sprawl. Got, we got to love it. <laughs> Do they have high-speed rail, though? That's when you know. <laughs> Not yet. Not yet. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I can't say that. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, okay. But clearly something bad is happening if, you know, I, right. I think, you know, it looked like, definitely looked like there was a battle going on, uh, a brawl, a big brawl going on on Navarro. But I'm Yeah, especially if the, if the statue gets... Yeah. Torn down. Yeah. I'm excited to see Grief uh, Cargo back and, you know, Carl Weathers and what he's doing on Navarro, what new things he's implemented. Maybe it is high speed rail, but maybe it's something else too. I think we didn't spend enough time talking about like dusty, burnt Mandalore and how uh, we see Din. I guess I just assumed this. It could very well not be in some sort of cavern uncovering some old looking mask. I've seen some speculation that it's potentially Tar Vizsla's mask, which to me would be the dream if Din was uh, put into contact with the story of Tar Vizsla about uh, the fact that Tar was a Mandalorian Jedi, which feels very apt to him potentially raising a Mandalorian Jedi. So I don't, I don't know if that mask is that helmet is exactly tars but i definitely got the wheels turning in my head but i like the concept of him walking around those caverns that were destroyed in the siege of mandalore or the night 
of a thousand whatever. It's very well known <laughs> on Tears? this show. Tears. Yeah. <laughs> it's very well known on the show that whenever there's like know. a Mandalorian history, it is so confusing to me. And I know that they purposely make it confusing. So I guess if there's one wish that I have for season three in terms of Mandalorian-ish, it would be to make me understand that <laughs> a little bit clearer <laughs> because I've tried so hard. <laughs> I, I know we've talked about this a lot before, but my brain just literally turns to mush. Like, yeah. sometimes it's really hard jumping between these shows and keeping straight the timelines. Uh, you know, every time we come into a Mandalorian discussion or the show, I feel like I have to actively remind myself, like, post Return of the Jedi, mm-hmm. post Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then you go to Bad Batch and you're like, post Revenge post of the Sith. Revenge of the Sith. <laughs> post Revenge of the Sith. Like, yeah. Okay. Like Mandalorian is leading up to First Order. Order first yeah. Order. <laughs> uh, yeah. So keeping track of the Mandalorian timeline is, I just, I can't do it. I can't do it. And my- but You know who can? Dave Filoni. And, and Bryce, Bryce Dallas, Dallas Howard, Howard. <laughs> because she has Dave Filoni's notes. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. I hope that in the art of The Mandalorian Season 3, Phil Sosak, if you're listening to this, please put the timeline, Bryce Dallas <laughs> Howard's nice. timeline, into the art of The Mandalorian Season 3. That's all I want. That's not all I want. I want. I also want the unblurred World Between Worlds concept art, but this would be a great start with The Mandalorian timeline laid out i just someday one day one day one day and i feel like i feel like they'll give it to us at some point in the mandalorian or either after the mandalorian ends you know if you're not going to give us the timeline in the mandalorian when when else are you gonna give it to us i forgot to bring this up when we were talking about pershing and the concept of cloning but there is a scene in the trailer where din and grogu are entering you know some planet and uh there's like so much rain and immediately I was like oh my god it's Camino and that would be crazy if you know he went to Camino and then there was like nothing there on in at Topoca City or something like that I don't they know. rebuilt it oh they could have rebuilt it because of like you said it has been some time <laughs> since been some since, time. It, <laughs> since it exploded but um in the Bad Batch if you're not a Bad Batch watcher but some things have happened in the time. I yeah, guess. I well, don't know. I even feel if like they have to go it's back all and relative. Salvage something from Camino that would be super cool too. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But we know we but we know that I I don't want to get into bad batch spoilers. So I'm not uh, for people who haven't watched it yet. So <laughs> not gonna touch on that but just know the wheels are returning when it comes to bad batch in the mandalorian yes so if you're <laughs> not watching spiritually <laughs> if you're not watching both you're kind of missing out so i'll just put that out there uh but let's talk about the the director's list because boy oh boy am i freaking excited there are some great directors attached to this season of the mandalorian we have back some uh people that have directed before. Bryce Dallas Howard is back. Carl Weathers is back as well as Rick. Uh, I'm so sorry. I can never say his last name correctly. Famuyiwa. Famuyiwa. I always second guess myself. Uh, but he, Rick is also an executive producer this season on The Mandalorian too. So that's great. You know, he's overseeing, part of overseeing the entire season as well and also directing. Mm-hmm. Yes. Very exciting. And then we have some new ones, which Rachel Morrison, who worked with Rick on Dope, um, and I guess also Black Panther, right? Yeah, with Ryan Coogler. Yes, amazing. And then Lee Isaac Chung. I mean, this is so exciting because he is fresh off of directing Minari, which is amazing and was Oscar nominated. I was floored when this list came out and I looked that up. I was like, are are you serious? Mm, Yeah. Yeah. And then Peter Ramsey, who did Into the Spider-Verse. Which I okay, I still haven't watched Into the Spider Verse, but wait, I, what? I know, I know, I know. It just, it's just like it's never, it's, just, it's never happened. But I know that it's incredible. 
So, it's so good. I'm really it's so good. <laughs> and like, I'm not a Spider-Man fan. You should know that. I yeah. it's really really good. I just haven't gotten to it yet, so it'll happen. It's it's fine. One thing I found great about Peter Ramsey's uh, resume that I was telling Charlotte about last night is that he was also story. He was I think he got his start in storyboard art. He was a storyboard artist and and developer. It seems like that's where he did a lot of work. And he was a storyboard artist for a couple of the Shrek movies, <laughs> which I thought was cool. Love that. Charlotte is a big Shrek fan, so <laughs> I thought that. I mean, was- Shrek is amazing. Shrek is so. amazing. I just I, between the two of us, you are the bigger Shrek fan. I would just say. like objectively, I think it's a really interesting thing in animated history, animation history. So it, I have oh, always so, been a Shrek fan. I'm so with you. I'm I'm very much with you. Uh, you had the video game though, and I did not. So true. I feel like that separates us a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I thought that was a really interesting uh, component to the roster of directors for for The Mandalorian, someone coming up out of, not coming up out of, but, you know, someone who seems to have much more of a uh, background in animation coming into directing live action. And I don't know all of Peter Ramsey's, you know, directing history. He very well could have directed a live action before. But, you know, like I said, it feels like the majority of his work before has been in animation. And of course, this was Dave Filoni's background as well. So I think this is I think this is cool to think that maybe it's, you know, more of having this fluidity between mediums, which I think is, you know, something that I think Dave would likes to do and would like to do more of. And so I think, you know, if if Peter Ramsey wanted to do more of that, too, I don't know, it just feels like it's a good synergy there. And um, at least from what I know about him. So which admittedly is very little, <laughs> but it seems no, like I think it's true. Seems, yeah, it seems like good synergy. I don't know if you mentioned this and I just missed it, but it, he his name is attached to potentially directing an episode of Ahsoka, too. So I mm-hmm. bet that Dave and him have talked about that. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah. we'll we'll probably see that. And I think it's interesting, a couple things, that John Favreau is not directing an episode this season and uh, that Dave is not directing an episode this season. And it makes me wonder which of these, because this is seven names, uh, which of these seven names are double, have two episodes instead of one. And I guess we'll see, because last year, last year, last season, I was surprised about who had the double episode. I thought it was going to be Dave or John, and it wasn't. I think it was Peyton Reed. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So I, 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 yeah. So we'll see. It could be a wild card. Literally, have no preference for any of any of them because yeah. uh, most of them are new. I think it would be great to have more of Rick's directing style, considering the Believer is one of our favorite episodes, and he, I think, directed and wrote that or co-wrote that as well. Pretty so. Sure he- yeah, yeah. He definitely directed yeah. that one, but that it, was I think he Rick. co-wrote. Yeah, I think that's a good guess just based off of his promotion to executive producer, but could be anyone. Well, it kind of we'll feels see. like, you know, Dave was doing Ahsoka and, you know, Rick moves into this, you know, other executive producer role of him having more of a hands-on day-to-day mm-hmm. with the Mandalorian. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure the three of them are kind of... And can't forget about Skeleton Crew. Kayla. I'm forgetting about skeleton. We're, we're all forgetting about skeleton crew. Not it's not for lack of trying, it's just lack of info. And but I think that that's part of it also, Caitlin, that's though. So that's true. why I mentioned it. Totally is that Dave, John is probably working with yeah. um I it, the name is escaping me right Jude now Law. about who is show running. No, Jude Law is not show running know, that, but know, he is starring in it. Um but I think that if we want to think about those two original executive producers of John and Dave, I think they've worked on, they're now working on other Mandoverse shows during the production of this one, which makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Skeleton crew. Uh, I just looked it up. John Watts and Christopher Ford. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's I, I'm I'm excited. I can't wait. I just would like more information. <laughs> I'm here to be super surprised by Skeleton crew. Again, feels like a, like a huge wild card and I'm mm-hmm. I'm excited for more I'm always excited for more Star Wars so I'm here for it I will never get the memory of the crowd's lukewarm reaction to the reveal of Jude Law at Celebration I've never seen a more lukewarm reaction <laughs> was, the energy could not have been higher in that room and that one was like the hmm <laughs> All right. <laughs> they were, it, was, it was the Lucasfilm showcase, right? Uh, when this was revealed yeah. and they were going through, you know, all the shows. Just in case, if you 
aren't aware of what happened uh, and you're listening at Celebration, the Lucasfilm Showcase was this, the biggest panel at Celebration where they're unveiling trailers, all of the stars are coming out, they're talking about new shows, et cetera, et cetera. And they're talking about Skeleton Crew and they bring out they bring out John Watts and uh, Christopher Ford, I think, uh, to talk about it. And everyone's like, oh, new show, big question mark, you know, group of kids. And then they reveal that it's starring Jude Law. It really was just like a, oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. Whereas before it felt like everything else was just like ear deafening cheers for anything coming down the line. But Jude Law was, yeah, lukewarm for some yeah. reason. And not to say that Jude Law isn't a great actor. He is. It's just funny. It was, it's <laughs> okay? funny. It's and just we're going to be laughing about it on the show probably yeah. for forever. So just, you know, just so you're caught up. <laughs> you know what's funny? I've actually met Jude Law before. Do you remember this? That I saw Hamlet yes, in okay. London. I, like, I know it with, wasn't. Yeah, when I was in high yeah. school. And yeah, he was great. He was Hamlet. And he was incredible as Hamlet. It was a, such a good production. And I am a Hamlet super fan. And I loved his performance of it. So I actually think of Jude Law with very high regard. It's just that moment was so funny. So funny. I just need to make myself clear that I actually do like Jude Law as an actor. I like Jude Law too. But it's just, it again, it's just a weird moment. And it's anyway, weird let's in move our on. memories. <laughs> yeah. We spent so much time talking about Jude Law and why. <laughs> anyway, Pedro Pascal is oh, uh, the, the best. We're really living Pedro's world right now with mm -hmm. The Last of Us back to back with this trailer release. It was like, whoa, Pedro is like running Hollywood and I couldn't be happier. Yeah. I feel like this trailer, I don't think we talked enough about the flashback that we saw from Grogu, Grogu's point of view. We I saw some people speculating. We assume it's Grogu's point of view. Yes, we assume. Well, here's why I think it is because you actually do get a shot of him with the lightsabers in his eyes right after that or right before you see the Jedi with the lightsabers and someone coming through the door. Let's talk about it. Do we think Hayden Christensen could be making a flashback appearance as Darth Vader, Anakin Skywalker in this Order 66 flashback? Uh, I don't know. I kind of think it'll be a different situation. Mm -hmm. You think so? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't I I am like more like I think Hayden is sort of always on these sets now. I I feel like he's always around. <laughs> so anything is possible now that he has signed this contract. <laughs> I agree, but I'm just like does it need to be Hayden or does it need to be Anakin Vader? I don't think so. Right. Like we're very well versed that Darth Vader goes back to the temple and, you know, does okay, a lot right. of bad Here, stuff. Let me, let me, I think we are well-versed, but I always want to bring it back to the fact that people who watch The Mandalorian aren't necessarily huge, huge, huge Star Wars fans. This is true. And sometimes need a little bit of a reminder about what the heck, why is this so traumatic and what do I know this from? Sometimes I think that maybe it would be good to this is a good point. have yeah. that reminder. Yeah, that's a good point. I can see that. Mm -hmm. I respect that. Yeah, and like having a grounding of we're back in this time frame and, you know, Yes. Anakin doing this as Vader is probably a scene that a lot of people remember. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. You know, I, yeah. Okay. Especially because we've had a Luke Skywalker moment and even a conversation about his father in passing. I don't know. Could happen. I'm not, I'm, I think it's on the table. We got oh, yeah. Luke Skywalker. I, I definitely think it's on the table. You know, anything, yeah. I feel like anything, right. We've got Luke Skywalker, Luke Skywalker. We had Hayden Christensen. <laughs> circa attack of the clone like literally anything is possible, anything possible for who's on the other side of that door i just doesn't it, it of course doesn't need to be Does it need to no. yeah no could it potentially yeah. yeah it could always i mean you're in the temple of what appears to be order 66 mm -hmm. number one guest is darth vader <laughs> right like we saw we've already seen the stormtroopers or the clone troopers approaching the jedi in the flashback i also saw it being thrown around wouldn't it be crazy if like reva was there somehow i don't think that was gonna happen but it would be like whoa and i also think that the vision last time grogu had this traumatic flashback um it was hazy mm -hmm. and
and mm-hmm. a little confusing. And this to me is so much clearer and way more vibrant. So I think he's accessing that part of his brain and his mind and remembering a little bit more about his time. And I think that's a huge crucial piece actually of yeah. Grogu is that he has a huge chunk of his memory missing because of his trauma. Him accessing that could be the keys to figuring out how he can be safe in the future too. Yeah, I totally agree that that's a huge piece of Gurgur's development is, uh, you know, confronting his past and uh, learning how to move forward despite despite it. And, you know, the really terrible thing that happened when he was more of a baby. <laughs> more baby than he is now, more but baby. still baby. <laughs> still baby. <laughs> still baby. <laughs> Just a smaller, smaller baby. Smaller baby. <laughs> But still, baby. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so happy to be back with Din and Grogu, and I can't wait for more cute moments. And you know what? The best thing about Mandalorian being back is the amazing art on my timeline. I will never get enough of Grogu fan art (laughs) because the way people draw him is just so cute. I am a Grogu capitalism enjoyer, and I can't get enough. So... Just wait till I will not apologize for it. No one, no one is asking you to, especially (laughs) Walt Disney. (laughs) So true. Uh, Like 50% of their entire like year to date budget is (laughs) Grogu merch. Literally. But it it got me thinking we'll have the concept art at the, at the end in the credits, which I'm really excited for that to return as well. Yes. I miss that. Yeah. Me too. Me too. Well, it kind of feels like we're coming to the end of our conversation talking about capitalism. Is there anything else about Rogu capitalism? It's different. It's a whole separate entity. Is there anything about this trailer that we haven't touched on yet that you want to make sure you get out there? I think we're good. So excited. Maybe so excited. March 1st coming down the line. We're super excited. Um, yeah, we'd love to hear your thoughts on the trailer, what you're looking forward to in season three. And yeah, you can you know where to find us. You can find us on Twitter at SkytalkersPod or our personal handles. Mine is at Caitlin Plesher and Charlotte's is at Crarity. We also have our website, skytalkers.com, which we have a uh, discount code going on right now for merch on our website. It's 23% off. It's good through the end of January, actually. So it was to celebrate our birthday, Skytalker's birthday at the beginning of the month. So that is still up and running. If you're interested in getting some Skytalkers merch, go to skytalkers.com and check it out. It'd be fun, right? (laughs) You can also find us on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, all the standard social media places. And if you have a couple seconds to spare and would like to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, we would really appreciate it if you took a couple seconds to go and do that. And if you want to support the show even more, you can head on over to our Patreon and check out our different reward tiers there. And I want to say a huge thank you to these patrons, Carol, David, Simon, Tim, Aldersi, Paul, Danny, Megan, Becky, James, Nick, Christina, Rachel, Jessica, Emma, Kara, Allie, and Olivia. Thank you so much for supporting us. Yes. Thank you guys so much. And until next time, may the force be with you. May the force be with you. 